Hi, I'm Craig Williams, and this is Beyond the Tassel. When most students think of where they'll go to college, many immediately consider the three schools with which they're most familiar. Their state flagship school, their regional university, and their community college. Now, I'm going to talk today about those first two. We've covered community college pretty thoroughly a few episodes back, so we'll leave that option out of today's discussion. For many students, these schools are outstanding fits for all kinds of excellent reasons. But just like any other collegiate consideration, there are pros and cons. So let's get to it. Unlike private colleges and universities, state public universities offer a significant discount on tuition for in-state residents, and many also offer merit scholarship money and other financial support that can make attending more affordable. The average effective annual cost of a four-year public university for in-state residents is about $10,400 per year and approximately $27,000 for out-of-state residents. And though the non-resident rate or even the sticker price for in-state residents is usually a bit higher, there are numerous mechanisms to bring this cost down to a more manageable number. Now, as I've said repeatedly, students are best served when they can find excellent fit in their college choice, regardless of cost. But not everyone can afford those costs through the same mechanisms. Some families have very different financial situations than others. Now, to that point, public state schools have lower sticker prices than virtually every nonprofit private school in the country, but that doesn't mean they'll cost you less. Now, here's what I mean. A family with typical income will very likely qualify for waivers on most of the costs associated with attending America's top private schools. So if you earn anything less than $125,000 or so, there's a very good chance that private schools may be a more affordable option for you. A family with typical income will very likely qualify for waivers on most of the costs associated with attending America's top private schools. Unfortunately, public universities are generally not able to provide equivalent financial aid as their private counterparts are. Now, this may seem counterintuitive, but let me explain why. Private universities are endowed, okay? They have wealthy alumni who donate a lot of money to their endowment funds. These schools, in many cases, are sitting on several billions of dollars that they use for aid. State schools don't typically have those kinds of endowments. There are a few exceptions, uh, Michigan, Texas, and California being three. But for the most part, state schools and the state school systems with which they're associated do not have those kinds of endowment monies. And even if they did, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their taxpayer to use it equitably. So those kinds of funds are not as freely available for financial aid support as they would be in a private college or university setting. Still, public universities offer outstanding opportunities where many students can find their best fit and where merit awards and other scholarship monies can make the option very affordable. Some of the nation's finest institutions of higher learning are public universities. The University of Illinois, the University of Texas, the University of Michigan, the University of Virginia, and the University of California. Whether you're looking at Berkeley, Los Angeles, Davis, or San Diego, or any of the other UC campuses, these are all among the very best schools in the world across a wide range of disciplines and academic majors. These schools are sometimes referred to as the flagship schools in their respective states. Now, in naval terms, the flagship was the ship in a fleet of other ships commanded by the highest ranking officer 
in that flotilla. Typically, this was an admiral. And that's where we get the word flagship. But it has been used to designate the most important or prestigious item among a number of things, including institutions of higher learning. Now, flagship schools are typically the more selective of state colleges and universities. And very often, they feature world-class programmatic strengths. Now, for example, Georgia Tech, Michigan, Illinois, Purdue, and Texas A&M all feature top 10 aerospace engineering programs. It's going to be hard to find a better aerospace engineering program anywhere in the world than you'll find at those universities. All state public schools. UCLA, Wisconsin, Oregon, and Michigan all offer top 10 programs in education. So again, these are highly prestigious programmatic strengths that these schools possess, and they're public institutions. We're not talking about the MITs and the Harvards, uh, the Pens, the Yales. We're talking about state schools that have better programs than most of the Ivy League has. Now, you'll find both a remarkable programmatic range and a diverse student body in virtually every state's flagship school. This doesn't mean that the other public colleges and universities within each state don't also provide high-quality educational opportunities. They absolutely do. In many cases, schools outside the flagship definition are home to superior programs to their flagship counterpart. Sometimes these universities are referred to as the directional universities, uh, such as University of Northern Iowa, Southern Illinois University, Eastern Michigan University, or Western Kentucky University. Then there are schools that may be viewed as slightly less selective than their flagship counterparts, but are absolutely excellent colleges or universities as well. Examples here include Colorado State University, Ball State University, Iowa State University, Purdue University, or the University of Central Florida. But ultimately, as always, it comes down to fit, plain and simple. I can't stress that enough, really. I say it in probably every episode, but I really want to drill that in because if anything matters about your college trajectory, your college transition, it's fit. So the school and you are either going to go together, as Forrest Gump said, like peas and carrots, or you don't. All right? It's that important. You've got to fit with your school. Now, that's easier said than done. And in my world, I feel so strongly about this idea of fit that I encourage students and parents to take it very, very seriously. Go visit if you can. If you can't, do as much research as you possibly can. Online, there are so many resources today. There's College Confidential, there's Niche, there's Quora. There's all kinds of things you can get into to get more information about your schools that interest you. And really get down to, into the guts of these places. If you can get on campus, Talk to anyone who will give you a minute or two. Talk to students. Talk to faculty. Talk to custodians. Talk to parents. Talk to anybody that will stop and give you a minute or two. And let me tell you, most of them will be happy to do it. Also, consider the distance factor. Is the school too far from home for you to feel comfortable? Because if it is, that's perfectly fine. Is it too close? <laughs> you know, some students want to be a couple hundred miles away from their parents. and That's fine, too. Think about what you want to do in college and consider which of the institutions you're exploring will best facilitate that, or if they'll enable it at all. Because if you want to play intramural cricket or join an on-campus comedy troupe and your regional university just doesn't have it, well, you may be better paired with a different school. 
Another thing to really consider as you examine fit is the cohort you'll be joining. Now, cohort is just a fancy way of saying student body. But I think it's really important to find a cohort in which you're comfortable. These people will become your colleagues, your peers. I said it should be a cohort in which you're comfortable. But I also want to stress that it not be too comfortable. Now, here's what I mean. Kids who continue on to four-year schools have generally worked pretty hard in high school. They've gotten smarter because they've challenged themselves. And if they want to continue to get smarter and to grow, well, they'll need to plant themselves in a place where they'll bloom. And that tends to be a place that's a little bit of a stretch. Now, if you liked math but didn't dream about it at night, you probably don't need to have MIT or Caltech on your shortlist. You're going to be doing way more math there than you're going to be happy with. But if you're a strong student across the board and have a love for learning, you won't want to miss out on the opportunities a more selective school can definitely provide. The other part to this cohort thing is that you'll probably want to stretch yourself a bit socially. You know, meet other people, okay? People from different backgrounds than yours, people with different native languages, maybe different culinary preferences, different ethnicities. Now, people who don't necessarily look or sound like the people you grew up with. That might just be the cohort for you, or maybe not. Maybe you're just more comfortable with the familiar. And again, that's fine. Know yourself and find the right college selection that fits. But whatever it is, you owe it to yourself to go find it. Another point about fit and cohorts and such is that you'll usually find that if you manage to get accepted to a given school, the admissions department already knows you pretty well and has some insights about your ability to perform well there. Don't spend too much time second-guessing yourself. Instead, find the best fit you can at the school that will best position you for success. And I can tell you from experience that shoving yourself into a classroom with people who seem smarter than you is actually a pretty good idea. Now, it may feel awkward at first, but it's only a temporary discomfort. You will rise with the makeup of that room. You want to be smarter and well-prepared? Hang out with smart, well-prepared, hardworking people. I guarantee you, it'll make a difference. Now, a lot of students are drawn to the idea of following in the family tradition, you know, of attending this school or that school. This is called legacy, and that's fine. But before you pinky swear to Uncle Buck that you'll attend his alma mater, make sure it's a good fit to be your alma mater. There is zero value in being a legacy student at a school that doesn't fit you. Also, think about it. Unless Uncle Buck was the guy who discovered plutonium or swam from Florida to Cuba, odds are pretty good that nobody will even know you're connected to the legacy tree. Whomever you may feel you want to follow to go get them State University, they probably attended in a very different era under completely different circumstances than yours. And unless you were cloned from this would-be legacy, you are your own person. Choose your school that way. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, we're going to open the door on one of the most important discussions you'll probably ever have about your college transition, finding the money. We'll talk all about the traditional options for help with financing for school, but also a good range of ideas you've probably never heard before. Episodes always drop on Tuesdays, so charge those AirPods, get it on your calendar, and be sure to listen next week. It's going to be a good one. Until then, I'm Craig Williams for Beyond the Tassel.